0: Well, as I say these words, I have no idea if Stanford is going to beat Arizona this Saturday. None at all. And I'll continue to have zero idea until I get the answer to one simple question. Don't know if I'm going to get that answer before the end of this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, but I'll certainly raise the question. (laughs) We're good at raising questions around here on this show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Friday, October the 25th, 2019. The TreeCast with Troy Clarity returns and we are previewing Stanford versus Arizona. The Cardinal, at 3-4. Their must-win mode continues while Arizona at 4-3 on the season and their They've been a very inconsistent team that has a lot of similar traits with Stanford so far this year as well. So uh, we have a lot to preview. You're going to hear a lot from David Shaw, the Stanford head coach. You're also going to hear a little bit from Tucker Fisk sprinkled in there as well the stanford tight end and uh, a bit later on in the show uh, something i'm really excited about and something i'm really uh, glad that stanford football is doing uh, during the game on saturday and it has nothing to do with actual real live football on the field at least not the game anyway but looking forward to to, to seeing this and uh, uh really appreciative of what uh, stanford football is doing uh this coming saturday I'm Troy Clarity. Thanks for being here. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity, the last misspelled C L A R D Y, at Troy Clarity, T R O Y C L A R D Y. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and on Google Play. Uh, Been a while uh, since we've been with you. I mean, look, Stanford football has had a weird schedule this month uh, with a semi-bye week, a Thursday game last week, a game uh, regular this week, and then a bye week after that. So our posting schedule has been a bit out of whack. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We certainly appreciate uh, you uh, spending part of your time here with us. As usual, we are going to begin this episode of the show by getting you the three things you need to know about Stanford football right now. Let's start with number one. Once again, we begin with the Stanford quarterbacking situation. And, and and things seem to be a little clearer in some respects for this game against Arizona than they have been for the last couple of weeks, but overall, still unsettled. After Wednesday night's practice, Stanford head coach David Shaw with the latest update, that KJ Costello was quote between questionable and probable, end of quote from David Shaw on Wednesday after practice. And that's that's certainly an upgrade from earlier in the week where where Shaw said that KJ was in that between questionable and doubtful category. So KJ has been a limited participant in practice this week. Uh, as of Wednesday evening, they were going to give it another 48 hours, uh, see how KJ was responding to things, and go from there. So, so that likely means that we are probably not going to hear anything, I would imagine, until Friday afternoon. Now, I'm saying this late Thursday evening, so perhaps by the time you hear this, We know who the Stanford quarterback is going to be. We do know who is not in the mix, and that's Davis Mills. He's out. We know that for a fact uh, for this upcoming week against the Arizona Wildcats. So it's a two-horse race right now for the Stanford Quarterbacking Derby as far as who's going to take snaps against the Cardinal, at least the first ones anyway. Uh, Jack West, who uh, got the start against UCLA, and KJ Costello, who is closer to being in the mix than he has been for, gosh, almost a month now. Amazing to think about, but still overall unsettled as we still don't 100% know, at least as I say this, whom the Stanford starting quarterback is going to be against the Wildcats. I'm really getting tired of Stanford being in this position, but you know what? Everyone else is too, I'm sure. Let's get to number two, and it continues on the injury theme. We uh, talked about the uh, injury to Jet Toner that was suffered in the first quarter after he kicked the field goal against UCLA on the opening drive, covered a kickoff that got uh, taken to the outside and a considerable gain, and Toner was blocked at the very end of that return, was not uh, able to return uh, for, for the rest of that game, and as it turned out, Jet Toner is indeed out for the rest of the year. The hits just keep on coming injury-wise for the Sanford Card. That means that that Ryan Sanborn just got a bit busier. Start of the year, he was just going to handle punting duties, the freshman. Meanwhile, Jet Toner handled place kicks and kickoff duties. So, David Shaw, does that mean that Ryan Sanborn is now handling all three of those duties?
1: Uh, For right now, yes. Uh, We've we've kind of had a little cattle call, anybody else on the team, that uh can can help with those duties and we found a couple of possibilities um, but for the most part Ryan's gonna take those uh, responsibilities on
0: yep so punting place kicking and kickoffs and he actually did pretty well as we talked about in the last tree cast uh, in the kickoff category I was actually impressed with what Ryan Sambor was able to do uh, with his kickoffs against UCLA but uh, held a cattle call to see to see who might be able to kick <laughs> Oh, it's come to this. It has come to this for Stanford football this year. No one is safe, not even the kickers. Let's move on to number three. And morale was obviously at, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say an all time low among Stanford fans because, look, I've been covering this team since, for, for 27 years now. This is my 27th season following the Cardinal, and that includes the Walt Harris era. It includes the year 2006 in which Stanford went 1-11. So it, it's very difficult for me to say that morale among Stanford fans reached an all-time low when we have 2006 uh, staring us at, in, in the face as far as that is concerned. However, not too many Stanford fans were feeling pretty good about things nor should they have, after the way Stanford cratered in that 34-16 loss to UCLA a week and a half ago. Morale low among Stanford fans. Is morale low amongst the Stanford players themselves? Have they been kind of robbed of the joy of the game? And is David Shaw in a rah-rah mode as a result? David Shaw's thoughts on going into rah-rah mode and trying to fire guys up and get them motivated at this point in the season?
1: I'm not in the business of raising people's spirits. Um, uh, These guys have a finite amount of time to play this game, and um, the high percentage of them understand that appreciate that and play and practice with energy and passion. Um, But at the same time, that's just the minimum. That's the bare minimum is coming ready to play and fired up to play and excited to play. I'm not in business either of of looking for excuses or asking for excuses. Um, it's on us to go out there and play well. Um, told the guys last week, there's no third column. You know, win, loss, and then hey, but it's okay. You know, the the, the it's okay column. Well, you've got injuries, so it's okay. There's no other column. So um, whoever's healthy, we got to get them ready to play. We got to go out there and execute.
0: I mean, back in the day, there used to be a third column when ties were actually possible in college football before they before they brought overtime in in the 1996 season. But but yeah, he he he's right. And I remember you know Tyrone Willingham told me this years ago: there is either win or there is loss. They don't mark it up for great effort, which Stanford did have at times defensively against the UCLA Bruins. They look at whether you win or whether you lose. That's it. And Stanford, effort will take them a long way against the Wildcats, but it had better result in a W if the Cardinals still want to accomplish some of the things that they set out to achieve at the start of the year. Those are three things. And I don't know. I I really have no clue on who is going to win this game on Saturday afternoon. A 12:30 kickoff. That'll be nice between Stanford and Arizona. I really don't have an answer for that right now until I have an answer as to who the starting quarterback for the Cardinals is going to be. And I'm going to put this as bluntly and as honestly as I possibly can, the entire game rides on this. Stanford's entire game rests on who is going to be the starting quarterback for the Cardinal. If KJ starts, then Stanford's chances of beating Arizona go up. They do. Just because of of what he brings to the table. It's been a tough season for him overall. I don't think he's certainly had any true real big-time breakout moments this year. Big-time throws that we saw him make last year. We haven't seen that from him so far in 2019. Made a lot of little throws before uh, leaving against Northwestern. Just really couldn't get on track at all against UCF. And then Oregon pretty much short-circuited by the, the thumb injury. He suffered very early in that game. So we never re- we still haven't seen K.J. Costello be K.J. Costello like we did at points in 2018 and a bit in 2017 as well. We haven't seen that. But I do know that, that if he starts, Stanford's chances of winning on Saturday go up. If Jack West starts, Arizona's chances of winning, quite honestly, go up. And some would say considerably. Some might even say that the chances of Arizona winning would go up to 100%. Some would make that case. I wouldn't go quite, I wouldn't go quite that far but I would be willing to listen. Now, if it is Jack West who takes the snaps for Stanford, there are no shortage of areas for improvement for him from his performance against UCLA. We talked about how hesitant he looked at times. We talked about how crossed up and confused he looked at times. And and at other times, Looked a bit jittery. Very uneven performance by Jack West against UCLA a week and a half ago. Again, he didn't have a lot of help from his offensive line, from the running backs, from the coaches. Didn't get a lot of help, but West unable to rise above those hurdles that were placed in front of him. So there is certainly no shortage of areas of improvement for Jack to build upon if he gets the call again, this time against Arizona. And it's no secret that a lot is placed on a quarterback's plate under David Shaw's offensive system, and at Stanford University, many times they're given you know, two, sometimes three different plays in the huddle. They have to go to the line of scrimmage and pick the best one of those two or three plays based on what the defense is showing them. It's completely what you see in the NFL, where so much of quarterbacking takes place before the snap. And where it's a quarterback's job in the NFL to get out of bad plays and get into good plays before the snap is even taken. So much of quarterbacking at the NFL level is done before the play even starts. It takes place between the time you break the huddle and the time you actually take the snap. Same things at work here with the Sanford offensive system. So much placed on the quarterback pre-snap. David Shaw was asked during, during his weekly press conference on Tuesday morning how Jack West did with his pre-snap reads of things against UCLA. Uh, gosh,
1: I want to say the majority of time was, was very good. Pre-snap was really good. Um, post-snap, you know, didn't play as well as he wanted to, didn't play as well as we needed him to. And at the same time, it's drawing that line between his responsibilities and others. Whereas, for the most part, all you see is the quarterback. Did he make the throw or not make the throw? You know, the, the passing game wasn't what we needed it to be uh, for a lot of very, very variable reasons. Um, but as far as Jack is concerned, um, played well in the first series and the last series. Um, and in between, was okay at times, and some things were not okay.
0: An intriguing and, and fair assessment, I thought, from from David Shaw on what Jack West was able to do pre-snap. He seemed, he seemed pretty happy with that. The problem was after the snap. <laughs> the problem was some of the decision-making that uh, Jack was, uh, was, was undergoing once the snap and once the play was actually in motion. That certainly needs to get a lot better, a lot better going forward. Big-time improvement needs to be made there if number 10's taking the snaps for Stanford either this week or going forward. Period. There's just, there's just no other way to spin it. So, to me, the entire game, everything, it all rides on this. Until we get a clear 100% picture, until Stanford football, until David Shaw makes an announcement one way or the other on who the quarterback is going to be, really not much else is going to matter. Does the Stanford defense need to control Khalil Tate? Yes, they do. Does the running game need to get going? Yes, it does. The special teams need to continue its improvement that we've seen from from that phase of the football over the last few weeks? Yes, they do. All of those things apply. But nothing else in this game happens for Stanford until we know who the quarterback is going to be. Uh, very rarely do I think football games boil down to just one thing. It, it's hard for, for a sport like football where there, there are 22 players on the field at the exact same time. There are just so many different variables that go, that go into each and every single play. It, it's hard for me to say this. It's hard for me to to think that football boils down to one simple thing, but this game does. It really does. Who's taking the snaps for Stanford on Saturday? I will not know the Cardinals' chances of victory against Arizona until I know the answer to that question. I do know this. If K.J. Costello is back, and hopefully he is as close to to 100% as he possibly can be, but if it's K.J. taking the snaps, I know Stanford's chances of beating Arizona go up. I do know that. I do know that. One of the things that I'm looking forward to on Saturday, besides the whole Stanford football game day experience, which is still quite nice. Uh, there was zero atmosphere at UCLA, but Thursday night game, just, just so weird and, and, and surreal. Hopefully the atmosphere is a little bit better. Uh, this week for an afternoon kickoff, that should help. Homecoming, that should probably help a little bit as well. If you're coming back to the farm for your reunion, enjoy, have fun, go to your reunions, folks. Go and attend your reunions. People talk about you when you don't. People talk about you when you do attend your reunions. But at, at least you can either refute, you know, or or deny or or back up what is what is being said about you. So there is that. But one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is going to take place, I believe, at the end of the first quarter when Stanford football is going to recognize that 1999 Rose Bowl team. God, was that 20 years ago? Holy cow. I'm getting so old. But they're going to honor the 1999 Stanford football team that went to the Rose Bowl. And man, that was that still ranks right up there for me personally as one of the most fun teams that 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 Stanford has had. Certainly, certainly in my lifetime, my God, that that super explosive offense. Todd Huzek at the controls, but big time receivers, uh, Dave Davis, Durani Pitts, and the incomparable Troy Walters, who is still probably. No worse than my third favorite Stanford football player of all time. Christian McCaffrey and Bryce Love have kind of, have kind of upset the apple cart at, at the top of my own personal list. Toby and Andrew are up there too, but, but to me, it, it, Troy Walters will, will always be right up there. Always. And not just because he had a really cool first name. But a super explosive offense led by those guys and a pretty good, pretty good running attack as well. Kerry Carter, Coy Wire back in his running back days. And a defense that <laughs> wasn't exactly of the shutdown variety, more of a cardiac defense, but, man, they saved their biggest moments for the, for the best moments. Yeah, I can't – Tim Smith, I can't tell you how many game-saving interceptions that he had that year. And the Trench Dogs, Willie Howard, Real Johnson, guys like that, helping to lead the way, wearing chains around their necks. They were fun to watch, man. They were pretty cool. And that 1999 team was coming off of a 98 season in which they finished 3-8. Nothing to write home about. However, that 98 squad played much better in November, and they beat Cal. (laughs) Somehow. Was that final score that year? 10-3? Not one for the record books, at least not in a in a memorable anyway. But they still beat Cal in '98. Still, however, expectations for 1999 pretty much next to nil. At least those expectations from us folks outside the program. Those expectations were pretty much next to nil, and those expectations were met and probably even confirmed. In the opening game of that season, when Stanford went down to Austin and got killed by the Texas Longhorns, 69-17. to Beaten by 52 points in the first week. And even though Stanford rebounded and hammered the Washington State Cougars the next week, I mean, still the Cougs, expectations were, were still pretty low in week three of that season. And I remember... Traveling with Stanford football that week as the Cardinal got on the plane and headed down to Tucson to face the Arizona Wildcats. Arizona, you might remember, coming off of a fantastic 1998 season. Uh, Not quite the Desert Swarm defense, but still pretty effective. And they had that two-headed quarterbacking monster in Ortiz Jenkins and Keith Smith. And Arizona went into that season as the preseason favorites in the Pac-12. Then they got thumped big time at Penn State to open up the season, and that kind of started their spiral. But still, I got on that plane heading down to Tucson thinking there was no way in the world Stanford had a chance of beating the Wildcats. None. None. I kept these thoughts to myself, obviously, <laughs> as, I was, as I was on the Stanford football plane heading down to Tucson. I was convinced Stanford was going to lose. So what happened instead? Troy Walters erupted. Eight catches for 168 yards in the first half. Uncoverable. Up in the second quarter, 24-7 in Arizona, lead, needing a big-time touchdown. Fourth and goal at the one. They go for it and get stuffed. Shark Steen, remember him? A big-time tackle. Stopping Lance Briggs at the goal line. And then Stanford turned that into a masterful 99-yard touchdown drive to go up 31-7 to and, and, and to really end all doubt as to who was going to win that game before the half was even done. I remember during that 99-yard touchdown drive, it was me in the Stanford radio booth, Ted Robinson on play-by-play, Bob Murphy, a man who needs no introduction, our engineer, and the Stanford uh, football sports information director at the time, Gary Migdahl. And as that drive was unfolding, we were all shooting each other some really shocked looks. Like we could not believe that this was happening. It was real. And then two long touchdown runs to salted away by Casey Moore and Coy Wire. And by the time it was all said and done, Stanford had hung a half a hundred on the Wildcats in Tucson. 50-22 to 22 the final score. Stanford rolling up 214 yards on the ground, and Todd Huzak for uh, throwing for over 300 yards. Virtuoso performance in, in all phases of the football. Of, of football, that was that was as <laughs> as amazing a win as I've been around with the Cardinal. More great games that year. Beating UCLA the next week. Troy Walters nine catches, 278 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, Joe Borchard coming on in relief of an injured Todd Huzak and going 15-19 to 19 for 324 and, 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 and rushing for, uh, for a boatload more yards. Hanging on to beat USC down in the Coliseum and then Casey Moore's run to the roses. That 94-yard touchdown run against uh, the California Golden Bears, breaking open big game and uh, salting away uh, Stanford's uh, Pac-10 championship. And we all started... book flights down to Los Angeles for Y2K. A lot of great moments. Beating Wisconsin would have been nice in that Rose Bowl. I'll never forget that, that cloudy and that chilly day. Would have been nice. Stanford playing so well defensively, outmanning the Badgers, limiting Ron Dane. But it would have been nice to have had a completely healthy Troy Walters. Would have been nice to have A healthy Mike McLaughlin, the Stanford center, who took just the opening snap, tearing his ACL in the run-ups to uh, to the Rose Bowl during practices. He just took that one snap. It was a quick throw to Durani Pitts, and McLaughlin gave way to to the backup center. Would have been nice to have him for a full game. And Anthony Gabriel, don't forget this. He was the long snapper for the Cardinal that year. And he got hurt, and that really messed up Stanford's special teams. So because of that, Stanford had trouble snapping the ball on place kicks, and Stanford had trouble running the ball and pass protecting without Mike McLaughlin. Cardinal gave the Badgers all they had, but it wasn't quite enough. Wisconsin got the 17-9 win. But still, a lot, lot of great surprises that year, man. A lot of great surprises. And that was a fun, fun year. That was a fun, fun year. And it, it, it's fitting, I think, that 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 team, that 1999 Rose Bowl team will be honored in a game in which Stanford is facing Arizona because that was the game 20 years ago that, I don't know if it it, 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 it you know opened up people's eyes to the possibilities of Stanford being in the Rose Bowl that year, but, but it certainly caused you to look around and go, huh, Stanford might be a bit better than we might think here. Things might be okay. Things might be good. So glad to see those guys honored. Todd Husek's going to run down at some point late in the first quarter uh, to be with the guys. Uh, ESPN's Stanford Steve, my guy, Stanford Steve Coughlin, flying back from Bristol uh, for the festivities. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. It's been a while since we've seen Arizona. It'll be the first matchup between Stanford and the Wildcats uh, since 2016. Christian McCaffrey racked up a boatload of uh, rushing yards in that one. Uh, That was Keller Chris' first start, and uh, he looked kind of hit or miss. Fans were really hard on him for that game, and I still can't believe that that unfolded the way that it did. Uh, But Chris improved generally as the season went along from there. Arizona, as we uh, hinted at earlier, they've had their own problems with consistency this season, and they've also struggled in keeping their quarterback healthy, Khalil Tate as dangerous a quarterback as you're going to find in the conference, you might remember he took 2017 by storm. My God, he looked incredible. Just just doing anything he wanted to, passing and rushing. Man, he was, he was electric. And I remember being at Pac-12 Football Media Day in uh, 2018, and Khalil Tate was at the podium, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him, Watching him speak, and I'm going, could this guy be in the room in New York when they announced the Heisman? Well, that obviously did not happen, as Tate's been fighting through injuries and, and some inefficiencies. His game has, has not looked consistently as good as it did two years ago. He's still dangerous. He's still a big-time threat and still a major, major weapon. How do you defend a guy like that? David Shaw offered up some thoughts on on how you try to contain number 14 for Arizona.
1: Well, you you start with your responsibilities, and in particular, uh, you know, to sound like an old-school football coach, who's got contain on both sides, right? If he runs up the middle, at the very least, hopefully we can collapse on him. If he gets outside and gets to the sidelines, this guy could just be in the end zone very, very quickly. So realizing that we have to have contain, that we have to try to keep him in. Um, If he does scramble, we have to converge on him and uh, try not to necessarily nose him up because the guy, I mean, he's like you know a basketball player, you know, a great point guard. Like he nose him up, he can make you move, make you miss. If you keep him on an edge, at least you're forcing him one way, hopefully force him to your help. Um, but uh, if you get so enamored with tying everybody to him, uh, we can't lose sight of our coverage down the field because the guy's got a strong arm. He can throw it a long way. Um, he can make those deep ball throws.
0: David Shaw's thoughts on trying to contain Khalil Tate. And as we talked about in the last tree cast, look, Stanford is, is coming off of, of facing a quarterback who is not unlike Khalil Tate in UCLA's Dorian Thompson Robinson. And I would say that the results were mixed as Stanford did have some moments where they bottled him up especially in the second quarter, but overall, when it mattered most, DTR was still able to get out of the pocket and make big plays with his arm and his legs. That being said, overall, this year, it's been a struggle for Arizona offensively. They have really had problems against handling, uh, problems with handling blitzes and had problems against pressure. They've had some blown protections, and they've, they've had some failed hot routes. As well, all those things kind of conspired against Arizona, uh, particularly as they started to sputter against Washington a couple weeks ago, and uh, as uh, USC just ran away from them and hid in a 41-14 win for the Trojans at the Coliseum last week. So it's been a it's been a struggle for Arizona in those departments, and that could be very good news for Casey Tuhill and his friends. Tuhill, as you know, has been getting after it all year long could be good news for that guy could be good news for for the defensive line and could be good news for maybe whomever else Lance Anderson wants to send in on blitzes I'm not ruling out the secondary Uh, guys like Paul Snadibo coming in on corner blitzes uh, to try to help contain Khalil Tate and oh by the way in Arizona's last six quarters of play Tate has had just one scoring drive, just one. And it was a field goal. So it can be done. It can be done. Question is whether it can be done by the Stanford Cardinal as comprised. Don't forget the kicking game here either, something that could definitely fall in Stanford's favor here on Saturday. Arizona's punting game is, is terrible quite honestly. It's not very good. They're averaging 34.3 net yards per punt? Ew. Ew. Even worse is the fact that Arizona's opponents are averaging just over 42 yards net per punt. That is a tremendous discrepancy. Eight yards on average on punts? Punting game has been big for Stanford this year. Special teams has been big for Stanford at times this year. And if this develops into a field position game, which it very well could, we've seen that movie before, potentially, that's something that could go in Stanford's favor. So, so keep, an eye, keep an eye on that. Defense gets a second chance against a quarterback that can kill you both ways. And if he gets the start, Jack West, Gets a second chance to prove himself. A lot on the line. A lot on the line for Stanford against Arizona this week. But until I know who the Stanford starting quarterback's going to (laughs) be, I still don't know who the heck's going to win this one. (laughs) Let's get to they said it. Kind of our quote of the week. And here's a guy that we've kind of been shining a spotlight on over the last couple of weeks Tucker Fisk played very well in many different facets against Washington, catching and blocking. And I speculated a couple of weeks ago that based on that performance and some other things uh, that Fisk has shown throughout the course of the season and some of the, the, the needs that Stanford football has right now, I speculated that, 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 that Stanford might be taking a look at, Tusker, at Tucker Fisk on the offensive line perhaps. Tucker earlier this week on the possibilities of joining the Stanford offensive line (laughs) the rumors are true I have been (laughs) I have been uh, cycling in with the uh, the offensive line but um I don't know my my take on it is just that we're running out of offensive linemen so we need someone to step up and if I'm the guy they want to step up then I'll do it um hopefully I won't have to (laughs) um but yeah I mean just kind of next guy up mentality Rumors confirm Tucker Fisk has been wa- has been working with the offensive line. Uh, in fact, David Shaw said that uh, Tucker has been assigned two different numbers, depending upon which position he'll be um, working in at any given time. Hopefully, we won't see him work in the offensive line. That would mean a dire situation has become untenable from a personnel standpoint. Uh, for the Stanford offensive line, so I don't know what number Tucker's uh, sporting when he uh, t- when he goes over to the offensive line, and quite honestly, I hope I don't ever need to know. But Tucker Fisk working with the offensive line—the rumors are true, and we kind of saw that coming. We kind of saw that coming. You have thoughts on Stanford football. I always welcome them, as you well know. Thank you so much for making the TreeCast with Troy Clarity the go-to podcast for Stanford football. You've got thoughts, hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast. Give me the follow on Twitter as well, at Troy Clarity. Last name is at Troy Clarity, spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. We, of course, will be in the Stanford locker room, win or lose After it's all said and done, we'll bring you interviews, we'll bring you analysis, we'll bring you commentary, like we always do here on the TreeCast. We have fun, no matter what the result. So we will come at you on Sunday on the next edition of the TreeCast. And then in the bye week who knows, we might bring you a TreeCast. We might not. Stay tuned. One way to keep on top of the latest episodes is to subscribe. That's by far the best way. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Google Play. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. If you're coming back to the farm for reunion festivities, have fun. Enjoy it. Be, be glad that you have a piece of paper on your wall from one of the great universities on the world. And that you, in all likelihood, got, to, got a chance to, to meet a lot of cool people in that process. Enjoy reunion. And don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. You can have a Stanford degree on your wall and still be the dumbest person on the planet. That is still quite possible. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Thanks again for joining us on the TreeCast with Troy Claire.